You can be turning to Hebrews chapter number 11. <clears throat> Hold your finger there and then go over to James chapter 1 verse 15. So that's Hebrews chapter 11 verse 25 is where we'll be. Hold that finger there and go to James chapter 1 verse 15. It's probably been 14 or 15 months since I last preached um, with my heart issues and the five-way bypass that I had and and the stroke, so I really can't see well, so if I mispronounce a, a word or miss a letter or something, I have got 114 pages of notes, but they're like this. <laughs> Just so I can see, I, you know, so it might take me a while uh, to go through all of it, but um, no, um, you know, uh, I was asked to preach a message on... Um, my testimony over 22-23, and um, how good God is all the time. I mean, we say that, but do we really mean it? I mean, has it become a catchphrase? God is good all the time. Where I look back where I was at, didn't even know I had blockages in my heart, and uh, could have been out in the front yard and fell over dead. And uh, God saw me through all that, and I just give Him the praise, but... That wasn't the direction he was leading me. So if you look at James chapter 1, verse 15, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abrideth not, and it shall be given him. <clears throat> Flip over to <clears throat> excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. I pray, Lord, that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that we can feel your presence among us tonight as I use your words to glorify you and your goodness and, and how you just have made a way for us to go to heaven. And Father, now be with us, be with the visitors. Lord, we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you tonight on a subject that I'm an expert in. I'm it's not fishing. I love fishing. I know all the ins and outs of fishing, but a lot of guys in the church do. Uh, I don't hunt anymore. I used to hunt deer, and <clears throat> it just doesn't do anything for me to sit in a tree in 20 degree below weather, wind chill, you know, 40, waiting for a, an animal to walk by. If you do that, hey, thank you. I enjoy the meat. Um, maybe we can get together and you can have fish and I can have some deer meat. But I'm an expert, and unfortunately, most of us, oh, no, let me back up. Everybody in here is an expert on this topic, and it's sin. It's sin. Everyone in here today was born a sinner. David writes in Psalms 51.5, Behold, I was shapened in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Nobody had to teach us as young people, as children, as babies, to lie, cheat, steal, hate, fight, have wicked thoughts. Nobody. We naturally do that because we're a natural man. And natural men sin. We don't have a, we don't have a choice. And as we grow, those desires or sins grow with us. They grow with us. Have you ever met anyone that's a compulsive liar? Anybody? I have. I worked with a guy that was a compulsive liar. I'm not going to tell you his name. I uh, wouldn't do that. 
Um, but he lied about everything. I mean, it got to the point where it was an ongoing joke with the rest of us in the office that this guy was going to lie. He's going to tell something. He made it to Birmingham, according to him, in 30 minutes. I'm, I'm not making any of this up, you understand? 30 minutes, he was going so fast when he tried to stop, he blew his brake pads off. That's what he told us in the office. He went turkey hunting and he killed a turkey so big that he had to cut it in half to bake it. And it was this way over all day long. Every, he, put a, he put a 75 horsepower motor on a 12 foot flat bottom boat. He blew the rivets out of the side of it. That's the way he was. And it, like I said, it just became a joke. He could not control himself. Well, I'm sure it didn't start as him being an adult. He started lying as a child. You get my point. And, and unfortunately, that sin was who he was. It's who he was. But hey, all that's been dealt with at Calvary. Sin has been defeated. If you're a born-again Christian and you sin, it's because you choose to sin. If you're lost, you don't have a choice. Do you hear what I said? If you're born again and you sin, it's because you choose to sin. Now, to me, that's, that's an amazing thing. Why would I choose to sin? Because we still have a flesh. And it's so easy for us as Christians to fall back. I'm not saying backslide. I'm not saying become carnal. I'm saying we have this flesh to deal with every day. And it's so easy to sin. Boy, just uh, watch the news. Our FBI top person and the CIA, they can't find who brought in the cocaine. And, and they're lying. You know, this is not a Democrat or Republican issue. It's a man issue. It's called sin. But why would most people choose to pass the sin? Because it's easy. Sin is easy. Doing what's right is hard. It doesn't take much effort to go out and rob someone. It doesn't take much effort to get in your car in the middle of the night and go steal something from someone. A uh, few years ago, my neighbor, who I've witnessed to multiple times, great guy, great guy, and he goes all out for holidays, like at Christmas. He had these big inflatables, you know, of like the, the sleigh and the, the reindeer and the, the um, Christmas tree all on his front yard, man. It had lights all over the house, you know, the, what do you call them, snow, uh, icicle lights. Yes, thank you. Obviously, you've got them too. And, uh, but it, he came knocking on my door one, one Saturday morning, and I said, yeah, what's going on, man? He said, I can't believe it. I said, what you can't believe? He said, somebody stole my decorations. Did you, did you see anybody? No. You know, I'm not up at 2 o'clock in the morning with binoculars watching your front yard to make sure nobody steals your stuff. But you know, a police officer told me one time, do not leave anything valuable in sight in your car. Even if it's just change in the console. 
because somebody will walk by and see that and bust your window out and steal what you got. Years ago, there was a football player, um, a very good running back for the University of Louisiana. Uh, For you Alabama fans, that's LSU. And uh, he was arrested. He had just gotten drafted by the Miami Dolphins, and he got arrested for breaking in a car and stealing a baseball cap. Why? He's a natural man. He's a natural man. He has to sin. He doesn't have a choice. He just does it. You know, it takes a lot of effort to get up every morning and go to work every day to earn money to support your family. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, wouldn't they? No, it's easier to sit out here on the street corner with a sign that says work for food and park your car two uh, parking lots over so nobody thinks you have a car. They're making more money one day than I'm making in a day or you're working and making in a day. I want every person here to answer this question today. Is sin really worth it? Is sin really worth it? Whatever your answer is will determine what you do about your sin. Is it really worth it? Number one, the pleasure of sin is temporary. As the turn back to, if you still have your hand there, or turn back to Hebrews eleven twenty five. This is Moses talking about Moses choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses was living in Pharaoh's palace. He could have anything he possibly wanted. And he probably did until a certain point. But his character showed up. When God came on the scene, his character showed up and he changed. And he would rather be living on the backside of the desert, serving God, than to have all the pleasures that the world offered. What about David and Bathsheba? Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Now everybody knows this story. But I just want to read it again and I want you to follow along with me. Starting in verse number 1 of chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came unto him. And he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, and he said, and, and said, I am with child. Think of the position David had put himself in now because of his desire. You know, sin always starts with a thought and then a desire and then action. If David would have turned and gone back in the palace, hey, if he'd have been where king should be, 
But he didn't. He looked and he lusted and then he acted upon it. And why? He got him into self into sin so bad. The king of Israel is now an adulterer, a fornicator, a home wrecker, and eventually becomes a murderer. You know, the only reason he didn't lose his kingdom and his throne is because God made a promise with him. And we know that God does not change. He was a man after God's own heart. And he still committed adultery. I wonder if David would say now, wow, that sure was worth it. It sure was worth it. I'd do it again. Well, it cost him his family. It cost him his family. Is it worth it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Perhaps there was a temporary pleasure. But look what it cost him. Look what it cost him. What a shame. But we're no better than King David. you understand that? Has God written in his word that you're a man or a woman after God's own heart? My name's not in there. God loved David more than any. Take a teenage boy and a teenage girl in the back seat of a car and they lose self-control and she becomes pregnant. Imagine the anguish and heartache she must face as she tells her parents. Think about the embarrassment from her church and her church family and her church friends. The young man has to go through the same thing. Many that go through this commit suicide because they can't handle the pressure of it. Hey, sin, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? Is the short-term pleasure that sins bring really worth the long-term consequences? Because the Bible says the iniquities of the fathers will be passed down from generation to generation. The sins that I do now affect my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And you're no different. Because of Adam's sin, we're sinners. You know, because you sin is not the reason you go to hell. You go to hell because you're a sinner. The person who does drugs for the first time then finds himself hooked. He or she must steal or rob to, to get money to support their habit. He commits murder and then is sent to prison and is executed. Hey, is sin really worth it? That 15 minutes of pleasure of the drugs, how it takes you away, and our country is just getting farther and farther away from morals and values. You know, they've legalized pot in a lot of states and, and uh, now they're, they're also doing the mushrooms that are, are hallucinogenics. They're wanting to open that up too. We're going to get a country of young people that don't want to work, don't want to do anything but do drugs. And rob you. You understand we're headed in the wrong direction. Why? Because of sin. Man likes darkness rather than light. Ezekiel 18.4 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Let's look at sin in a, in a more practical aspect. James 4.17 
Therefore to him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know to do right and you don't do it, you're sinning. You're sinning. Giving God less than your best. Ecclesiastes 9.10 Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. You know, if, if you come out and you're doing something at the church, whether it's a bus route, whether it's um, uh, working in the choir, uh, singing in the choir, or just help cleaning up, we've got a work day, whatever. Do it with all your might. Do it the best you possibly can. Who are you doing it for? You're doing it for God. And if we come in with a lackadaisical attitude, lazy or sloppy in our daily life, we're sinning against God. God says, let all things be done decently and in order. God's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. You know, it's amazing. A lot of times during vacation Bible school, I'm really surprised, Brother Brown, that chaos doesn't break out more than it does. You know why it doesn't? God's in control. God's in control. From the nurseries to the kitchen to the, the snack ladies to the, the bus drivers, the bus workers. The, it's an amazing thing. It's not us. A lot of people are giving God 100%. And God honors that. Doing things without any thought or plan. It's, fail to plan is a plan to fail. Your daddy ever tell you that? Boy, you got a plan? What are you going to do with your life? I'm sorry if you're 30 years old and you don't have a plan. You're going to fail. Everybody has a plan. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming, and I don't want to assume, but I'm, I know Brother Brown probably does this too. I've got a list of my activities every day. What I'm going to do every day. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to mark that off. And I go down the list, prioritize. Okay? Eating lunch is not the number one thing on my list. Now, I know people that would be their number one thing, but this is not my number one thing. Prayer, reading your Bible, getting along with God, hospital visits, all those are main priorities. What about the inconsistency in your giving? What about if you go on vacation? Do you tithe ahead of time? Or you just say, oh, God's not going to need it this week. I'll just, you know, I'll just let it go. What if everybody said that one week? And our missionaries, Brother Larry, are on the field going, hey, where's my check? Well, everybody just decided not to give this week. Oh, we came in Sunday morning, the air conditioner's not working, the power's off. Well, we didn't have the money to pay. The utility company. Do you take your tithe by the church before you leave town? Do you mail it in so it will be there in time for the offering on Sunday? Or you just say, forget it. It's not that big a deal. What is my little, little bit going to do? Well, God, little as much when God is in it. I mean, you tell Paul that when he was shipwrecked and he held onto that little piece of wood and he floated over to the bank. That's just something little, right? What about the inconsistency in your attendance? 
How can a person ask God to bless them and protect them when they don't even come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night? How can they ask God to bless them? You think God's going to bless you? I'd be ashamed to even think about asking God for anything if I treated Him like many Christians do. Well, I'll stay home and watch it. No. No. If we treated God like our boss, excuse me, if we treated our boss like the way we treat God, we'd be unemployed tomorrow. We've gotten to the to the point where we just throw something up in the air and, hey, God, it's good enough for you. You know, it's kind of like uh, they call for the, during the wintertime for, for people to bring in coats to help the homeless. And you go through your closet and you dig up the, the rattiest piece of junk and you take it down there thinking it's going to be a blessing. Why don't you give him your best? Why don't you give him your best? Hey, it's just sin. Does it really matter? One day you're going to have an emergency and God's not going to be there. You're going to need Him immediately. And He's not going to show up. The book of Proverbs says He laughs at your calamity. Why? Because you haven't showed up for church. When that happens, suppose an angel would come to you and say, Hey, God's on vacation this week. Call back Sunday. Do you go to church on your vacation? Do you make sure you're there? We do. And if we can't find a decent church, and it's getting harder and harder and harder to find a decent church, we'll watch our pastor because I know what we're going to get. You know, that's one thing about our pastor. I was telling the crowd this morning, We've been coming here since 94, and pastor has not changed. Isn't that comforting to know? For parents and for grandparents, now young, younger adults, you know, teenagers, you don't get it yet. Your brains are not developed. The logical part of your brain is not developed until you're around 28 to 30 years old. Scientific fact. I'm not making it up. So you don't get it yet. But as parents, we appreciate our pastor's stand because he's always the same. Why? Because the Word of God doesn't change. It's always the same. God does not change His mind and say, okay, we're going to scribble this out and we're going to go with this this week. I don't want a preacher that one week is going to be here and the next week is going to be there. And then I'm so confused, I don't know where he's at. Pastor Allison's never been like that. God's gone on vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. Check in with us Sunday. How would you like to hear that if a family member's in a car wreck? Or you find out that you've got cancer? Or you're going through financial problems? You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, 9, He that turneth away his ear from the hearing of the law, even his prayers are abomination. You willingly don't hear the word of God. You can be in church and this can apply to you. You've blocked it off. You've turned it off. You're not listening to what the preacher's got to say anymore. He that turneth away his ear from hearing of the law, his prayer is abomination. That's a terrible thing. I don't want my, my prayer to ever be an abomination to God. 
I want to come to church with the expectation of getting something. I hope that's why you're here tonight. You know, um, I told him this morning that Dr. David Gibbs, the attorney for the Christian Law Association, he um, had told a story in one of his books about the local church. And he said, the local church is like a pond. The top of the water is just still. And he said, you can take a rock and you can throw that rock into the pond and it makes a splash. And then that initial splash goes into one little wave and another little wave. He said the, the initial splash is a Sunday morning crowd. That's the ones that just show up on Sunday morning. They don't really want to get in, in depth with the Word of God. They don't really want to find out what God has for them. So they just show up on Sunday morning. That's where you're going to be, have your visitors. Right? Sunday mornings. That's why you're always going to hear the gospel on a Sunday morning. And the next ring, the first ring that goes out, that is the Sunday night crowd. They're a little more spiritual. Sunday morning crowd, they're not even here anymore. You know, the visitors usually don't come back unless they're serious about God. But the, 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 second, the first ring is the, the Sunday evening crowd. You know, pastor usually gives a, a really deep, good message on Sunday nights. The next ring is the, uh, uh, the Wednesday night crowd. Oh, it's farther from Sunday, but those are the people that want to learn something about God. And that's the facts. That's the church. Which one are you in? He that turneth away his ear from hearing of the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. But that's the Old Testament. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, building up somebody. You know how encouraging it is to see a full house on Wednesday nights? If we didn't have two services on Wednesday, this would be crowded. You understand? You're faithful to the things of God. You're faithful to the house of God. Inconsistent in your giving, inconsistent in your church attendance, inconsistent in your prayer life. When do you pray? When do you pray? In your mind right now, tell yourself, hey, this is my prayer time. Do you know that is, this is the greatest tool in the tool bag? is the power of prayer. You understand what I'm saying? And we neglect the power that God has given us. Lives can be changed through prayer. God can heal people through prayer. God wants us to pray. How often do you pray? An hour a day? 30 minutes a day? 10 minutes? A day? Oh, I pray at the dinner table. Heavenly Father, bless this food in my body. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's kind of repetitious, isn't it? Do you pray for all of the missionaries every day? Oh, that'd take way too long. There might be one of them that's got a situation that's going to arise and they don't even know it yet. And because you're too busy, they're going to have to go through that. You know, what if the mayor of your city, whether you're 
in Madison, you're in Athens, I live in Decatur. The mayor called me and said, hey, listen, I'd like to get your opinion on some things. Can you come into my office? Yeah. Well, what about the, the, um, the governor of your state, Kay Ivey? Grandma. Grandma called and you said, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to go. I'm, I, I want, want you to hear what I've got to say. Or the congressmen or senators or, hey, what about the president of the United States? And he said, hey, I want you to come to the White House and I want you, of course, he probably wouldn't remember, uh, but um, you'd have to write it down and leave it there. But he said, hey, listen, I want to get your, your opinion on all the things that are happening in America. Well, he wouldn't call me. And more than likely, he wouldn't call you either because we don't agree with him. But let me tell you, this isn't the mayor. This isn't the senators or the congressmen. This isn't the governor. This is not even the president of the United States. This is the God of all creation that has power and dominion over everything. And we're missing the opportunity to take advantage of going one-on-one in the throne room of God and asking and telling Him what a great God He is. Why would we forsake that? You know, the, the pleasure of sin only lasts a season. In Numbers 32, 33 it says, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. 1 John 1, 8 says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You know, years ago, anybody else loved Dave Turner besides me? I'm not talking physically love him. I'm talking about his preaching style. The first time I heard him, he told this story. He said, you know, he said, I just got out of, well, uh, you know, I just got out of prison. I can't do that. It'll tear my throat up. But he said he just got out of prison, and he's starting his construction crew, and He's got all of his tools out and he's getting busy. It's early on a morning. And uh, he said, a guy comes up walking down the street and the guy's got on a white robe. White robe. And of course, Dave Turner, you know him. He said, well, that's kind of strange. And the guy comes up and he says, yeah, what can I do for you? He said, well, I'm looking for work. Do you have anything I can possibly do? He said, well, let me look around. And he's looking around and he sees... uh, about 12 to 15 rolls of insulation sitting over on the ground. And he said, yeah, I got something for you to do. He said, but before we do all that, let me, let me ask you, curiosity kill the cat. He said, why you got that white robe on? And the guy kind of just backed up and said, well, while I have this robe on, I don't sin. And Dave Turner, just being a brand new Christian, not knowing much, he said, Really? You don't sin when you've got that on. He said, nope, no, sir, I don't sin. He said, I've had this on for years and I haven't sinned. He said, and you don't take it off. He said, nope, don't take it off. He said, well, I've got something for you to do. See that insulation over there? He said, I want you to take that and roll it up and tie it together. And the guy walked over there and a few minutes later, Dave Turner said, I thought to myself, he'll be sinning tonight. 
Hey, I'm talking about sin. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it when things begin to break up at home? Is it worth it when you lose your job? You know, years ago, we used to have a Reformers Unanimous program. And there was a, a, a young man, I would say, he was probably in his early to mid-30s. He started looking at pornography when he was 13 years old. And he'd get, gotten worse and worse and worse. And he ended up coming and joining the program and hoping to get, get help. He didn't really want help. He was making six figures a year. Lost his job because he was looking at pornography on his, on his work computer. His wife left him. His kids left him. And now he's broken. Why? Because of sin. Is it really worth it? Is sin really worth it? When your home breaks up because of alcohol? Is it worth it? I don't think so. I grew up in a drunkard's home. I ran for my life from my father because he was drunk. I wish that on no young person. Is it worth it when your health goes bad? When you have liver disease because of your sin? Is it really worth it? That short time of pleasure... Is it worth it? Let me give you some examples of when those who sinned found them out. What about Adam and Eve? The ultimate sin, the original sin, so to speak. As they buried Abel in the cold, damp grave, you think Adam said, hey, is sin worth it? You think if Adam and Eve could see the earth right now and because of their one choice they made, the debauchery that goes on in our country and our world because of one choice, Adam, is it really worth it? What about David as he buries Amnon and Absalom, as he watches him bury his baby? David, is it really worth it? What about Lot? As he turns and sees his wife turn into a pillar of salt and he hears the screams and cries of his daughters and his sons and sons-in-laws and daughter-in-laws and Sodom and, and Gomorrah and they, they're being destroyed by the, the punishment of God on them. And then he goes out into the mountains and ends up having an incestuous uh, affair with his daughters. Every time he sees those children, hey, Lot, was it worth it? What about Solomon? He tried it. Didn't work for him. And it won't work for us either. The pleasures of sin is temporary. The penalty of sin is eternal. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. Did you get that? This is a popular verse for Madison Baptist Church. For the wages of sin is death. Listen to me, young people. You get off into sin. You get away from hard preaching and you're going to start searing your conscience. And things that were repulsive to you in the beginning 
will just be normal. You understand? We all know someone that thinks homosexuality is normal. Every one of us know, know that person. They were brought up in a good, independent, fundamental Baptist church that heard the King James Bible preach, and now it's okay. No, it's not. But see, they've had their conscience seared. What about Korah? Remember Korah in, in number 16? He had a, a, a revolt against um, Y'all know him, Moses and Aaron. He had a revolt against them. And Moses came to him and said, let me tell you this. You're going to die because of your sin. And he said, if you die as a normal man, you know, how normal people die. Now I'm paraphrasing, okay? This is what's going to happen. You'll know that I'm not from God. But if something supernatural happens and you die... Everyone will know that I'm from God. And what happened? The earth opened up and Korah and all of the men that were with him and their, their, uh, their families, their children, everything they had was cast down into the pit alive and then the earth sealed itself back up. I guess they found out who was from God. What? Look at Samson. We're talking about the penalty of sin is eternal. Samson had, had it all going for him. And he got into sin as a young person. And it just escalated. And it grew. And it got to the point where, hey, he was pushing a cart around to grind the, the wheat and the flour. And they burnt his eyes out. He never got his sight back. You understand? Once the eyes were gone, they were gone. Why? Because of Samson's sin. What about Cain? He cried out in Genesis 4, 13, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Really, you killed your brother. Being cast out is a bad punishment. You deserve to die. You deserve to die, Cain. You know, when God's wrath falls... Is not only final, it's fatal. It's fatal. What is it going to take for, for some of us to wake up in this matter of willing sin with God? What will God have to do to get your attention? Will He have to take your job, take your child, take your health? What is it going, what is it going to take? What is it going to take? I've told this story before, but it's so personal to me because it happened to my wife's family. Her little brother was nine years old, and he was riding his bicycle to the convenience store down the road, and he was hit by a drunk driver, and it knocked him like 750 feet. The guy had been arrested 16 times for drunk, drunk driving. 16 times. My father-in-law, who I love dearly and I miss every day, and if you knew my father-in-law and some of you did, he was the guy that would just take in a stray cat and feed it. Give the shirt off his back to somebody. That was my father-in-law. I couldn't ask for a better mother and father-in-law 
that I had. They're both in heaven now. I couldn't ask for it. Man, I had two sets of parents. My dad died when he was 42 years old. A young man. So I had another father, my wife's father, that stepped in. If I had questions, I would ask him. But he got, when his son got killed, he had four daughters and one son. And when that son got killed, he hated God. Oh, he'd come to church. He would come to special events. He would come to dinner on the ground. He didn't want anything to do with God. Nothing. I talked to him many times. And then one Thanksgiving, we were having a, um, a um, party for the teenagers. And my wife, I had a couple that, the teenagers that was going to stick around. They were waiting on their parents. And I told my wife, I said, listen, you going home, going over to your mother's. It was Black Friday. And they always went shopping on Black Friday. And uh, so I said, you go on. I'll stick here with the kids. And when their parents come up, I'll just meet you. And on the way home, after she left, on the way home, I got a phone call. It was my wife, and she was crying. She said, you need to get here now. And I said, what, what, what's going on? She said, mom's, mom's dead. See, all of the girls were going to come and go shopping together. They did it every year. Every year. When my wife and my youngest daughter got to my mother-in-law's house, she had a, a, a front door that had the pane glass window that was an oval. And they could see through it and they saw her laying on the floor in the dining room. I had to be the one to call my father-in-law. You ever made a phone call like that? That's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. So I called him at, at his work and I said, Hey, listen, Glenn, you need to, uh, you need to come home. Why? Why, why do I need to come? Um, you just, just listen to me. You need to come. Why? Why are you telling me to leave work? Why, do I, why must I come home? Carolyn died. The sound of his voice on the other line, on the other end of the phone. Man, I can still hear it. That was 2010. He got home. The the corner hadn't even got there. She's still laying on the floor. We covered her up. <laughs> Everybody's weeping and crying. and I had the opportunity to take my father-in-law in the next room and lead him to Christ. What is it going to take for God to get your attention about sin? To take a family member from you? Make you lose your job? Your health? What will it take? Hebrews 2.2 2 says this, For if the words spoken by the angels were steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just re- recompense of reward. Boy, if we got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell. You know, for the saved or the unsaved, what could be more dreadful than to, for a man to stand and, and fall into the hands of an angry God? Well, I'm not worried about that. I'm a pretty good person. Yep, you are. 
You are. And you've never stood at the judgment seat of Christ and looked into the eyes of a holy God either and give an account for why you sinned. Because if you're saved, as I said at the beginning, you choose to sin. The pleasure of sin is temporary. The pleasure of sin is, excuse me, the penalty of sin is eternal and the payment of sin has been paid. Praise God. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a blessing. God has made a way for us to avoid temptation and falling into the trap of sin. And that's in His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5 is probably one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. This is one of my favorite chapters. Verse number 1, it says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. We're not in enmity with God anymore. We're not His enemy. We have peace. You remember when you got saved? And that, that rock that had been on your shoulders for years that you didn't really even know was there because you were the natural man, and that burden was lifted when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it felt, for me, it felt like I was walking on a cloud. The load of sin had been lifted. I was at peace with God for the first time in my life. I can't explain it. You know what I'm talking about if you're born again. If you're not, you need to get born again. Look at verse 8 of chapter 5. But God commended His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners cried for us. Now look at verse 9. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. We don't have to ever worry about going through the wrath of God. I didn't say you wouldn't be corrected or chastised because God's our Father. And as any good father, He takes care of His own, doesn't He? He takes care of his own. Verse 18 of the same chapter says, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men of the justification of life. Boy, that verse sure knocks a hole in Calvinism, doesn't it? Knocks it right out. For all men unto justification. Jesus Christ came and died for the entire world. So we don't have to sin. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 8. If you say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Oh, that guy that wore that white robe, he came out of that. He was a sinner. But let me tell you, that white robe didn't keep him from sinning. He was a sinner in a white robe. Look at verse number 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. The key to this is verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Hey, you lay down tonight. You say to yourself, man, is sin really worth it? Is it really worth it? Is it worth losing your family over? Is it worth losing your, your job? Is it worth losing your church? Is it worth losing your health? Eh, no, it's not. Sin's not worth it. But if, we're faithful and, uh, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. And Father, thank you for tonight. Father, I pray for these, these people as we have the invitation. I pray that they, they meditate on the, the, the aspect of sin in their own lives. It might be a big sin. It might be a small sin. Father, but there's no difference in you. Sin is sin. Father, may you just watch over, protect us, keep us safe tonight.